Hello and welcome to another episode of Tour Guide Talks, the travel show about the people we trust to teach us about local history, local gastronomy, local haunts, and who give us directions to great finds and secret experiences. In this show, we're going to talk about our tour guide's travel philosophy and why they chose a career in this intriguing profession. With this show, there is no need to write anything down. We will leave links in the show notes so you can reference the places that are discussed. Enjoy the show, and thank you for coming along for this tour guide talk. As a side show note, Tour Guide Talks was born during the COVID-19 pandemic. In order to be a responsible talk show, recording has been done over phone lines, Wi-Fi connections, or over video conferencing. As a result, recording levels are not always perfect and sometimes there will be inconsistencies. Hello, world travelers. This is your host, Alvaro Garza, and we are here with another episode of Tour Guide Talks. Today, I'm going to introduce you to a guide that I know personally. Uh, we've met while working uh, free tours in Barcelona. Esther, or Esther, uh, the Wildman, is a tour guide, and I wanted to invite her on the show because she is going to give us perspective on giving tours to people that you would not expect. And I'll let her explain the specialty about her her business. So welcome to Tour Guide Talks, Esther. Thank you very much. So Esther, I, I brought you on here. And by the way, you're going to hear me say Esther, Esther, uh, because uh, people say your name different ways. Uh, you being and living here in Barcelona, I'm sure many people, which is a common name, Esther. Yeah. Uh, but then you are from Ghent, Belgium. Correct. Uh, tell us a little bit about Ghent, Belgium, and how you ended up here in Barcelona. All right. Yeah, I'm from this little town, Ghent, uh, 200,000 people uh, in Belgium. But um, yeah, it's a very nice town. I actually um, still say I have two homes. It's Ghent and Barcelona for me. Uh, Ghent is very creative. It's Flemish sp spoken. Uh, so in Belgium, we also have a French speak sp speaking part, but that's uh, in the south. And um, yeah, it's like a big village, 200,000 people. You easily see every day somebody, you know, in the street. Um, yeah. The connection there between people is really great. Uh, but when I was 25, the place was getting a bit too small for me. Uh, and then I decided, um, after being heartbroken as well, uh, that I deserved a year in Barcelona. And I looked for a job uh, that could su support myself. And uh, I got it. It wasn't that hard for me um, to, um, yeah, to get that job. And so I decided this is my chance. I'm leaving for a year. Um, and then I'll see what I do with it. And... After all these years, I'm still here, so it wasn't a bad Still choice. in Barcelona, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So what was your first job when you got here to Barcelona? It was a marketing job uh, for an American company, actually, Vistaprint. Um, so I came from the printing industry, the newspaper, and then changed to yeah, a bit more of a corporate environment, let's say. Um, what the job really was, I still wonder myself as well. Because <laughs> after uh, yeah, almost three years, I did like three jobs. Um, and all of them changed very quickly and yeah, uh, content. But in the end, I was doing like online marketing and uh, site management, not at all the yeah extrovert um, job of a tour guide. And I also decided that after three years, it really didn't match uh, with my personality. However, the company treated us really nicely. It was just a personal thing for me to need uh, people and to talk to uh, external people and not only um, being at my computer all the time. So it was time to find something that suited more my personality. 
so how did you get into tour guiding? Was that a, a, a choice when you saw other people or other people being tour guides? That you're like, hey, I really enjoy that. I can do that. Was it your mm. uh, multilingual background that allowed you to go into tour guiding? Um, yeah, so I had started my own company um, first. Uh, it was Mucho Gusto Accessible Travel. So I um, really started this from scratch and I had just uh, become a mother. Uh, so we had some need for income, let's say. And I looked around because I had created all these accessible tours first and I studied so hard, but I had no clients. Uh, so then I looked into Dutch speaking tour companies already available in Barcelona to offer my services. Say I'm a freelancer. Um, I've got uh, the knowledge and uh, maybe I can work for you. And that's how I ended up with uh, my biggest employer uh, back in the time, Brood and Tomat, um, run by Ingeborg, who gave me a chance. And uh, I really started to love it. It was a discovery for me no, as it's well. Kind of, it's it's always interesting being a foreigner, uh, extranjero as they call us here, mm -hmm. and being a tour guide in a town that we're not from. Yeah. Uh, it. I think that the perspective is uh, it's fresh. I think it's really kind of cool because we love this town and we love promoting this town to other people. So do you see it as an advantage being from Belgium? I think it has its advantages and its disadvantages. The advantages for me are that I do know my uh, target market really well and I can um, create tours that suit my audience. I'm not going to go into detail about the uh, the, the smallest war uh, that happened here uh, because that's maybe not really what interests the people, what they are interested in is um, for example how do people live here the current situation the politics uh, from a perspective of a yeah of a dutch or belgian or belgian person um so that's good um and also the fact what you say is that we are really excited about this city and we really want to learn everything makes us look up information maybe harder than somebody who assumes they've gotten it through the school books or um stuff like that so i think we will always doubt ourselves a little more and then also look up the information more. What the disadvantage right. is for me is that uh, I am, for example, in a very multinational environment uh, every day and I'm not every day with locals. So I really have to dig into the local vibe sometimes to create a local experience. Uh, but then you, for example, yeah, that, that's interesting, right? Because we and many of our tour guides also have Catalan partners. And I think that's that's a really big strength. Unfortunately, I uh, I don't, but I'm very happy with my partner. So I'm not going <laughs> to change that. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, it, it is difficult, right? Because um, Spain is not as open a society as most people think it is. I mean, I have Spanish friends here, but it really took me a while to find Catalan friends. Mm. And I understand what you're saying. You have to dig a little bit deeper to get that information or you have to study on your own and you have to share it with other people. You're right. That it, it can be a disadvantage, but um, you know, we're tour guides, we're resourceful and we go in and we find it. So congratulations on that. So tell me a little bit about Mucho Gusto Tours. What type of services do you offer? Um, so the services we offer, uh, it's double-sided let's say we've got the mucho gusto accessible brand that organizes trips from a to z so we will book a flight ticket for a client who is in a wheelchair we will book his um, wheelchair accessible taxi transfer to the hotel we'll book the hotel and we'll organize all the activities uh, or as many as the client wants uh, but that's purely destination catalonia uh, and from a to z and then we've got the mucho access 
Mucho Gusto Tours brand uh, that organizes private tours in Barcelona for people who don't necessarily have a disability. So that's very um, product oriented. It's just a tour, but it's always a private tour. And um, yeah, they are customizable. We've got quite a big variety. Um, so yeah, it depends on who you are. And then we will be able to offer you the... So I'm gonna, I'd like to get into each one of those services separately. Okay. First of all, I want to find out more about the accessible uh, accessibility tours because uh, that's a very interesting niche. Mm-hmm. That And it's really the reason why I wanted to bring you on here because I think that uh, world travelers are just not the abled. They're also those uh, people with disability. Yeah. And I wanted to get into that because it's interesting. It's important. What gave you that perspective and decided that you wanted to start that service where you're going to help people with disability? It was actually uh, my partner, Dan, um, his dad, he was in a wheelchair. And um, so when I met Dan, uh, even the first night I met him, he told about his, his dad and that he, he was so proud of him that they went to Florida when Dan was a teenager uh, in the wheelchair. Uh, his mom was always there to help out with the, the practical organization, let's say, of the trip. But his dad had the courage to do that and the confidence. And so um, Dan had also studied in Munich. His parents came to visit him and uh, yeah, so I started to date more and more <laughs> often with Dan and when we got to a serious relationship, his parents also uh, visited Barcelona and I saw firsthand how courageous uh, it was, but also how accessible Barcelona was. And that's when we started to think, hey, this could be something. Um, why don't we promote our city more uh, in this niche, but very important part of society as well that we ab- enable people to uh, to take a plane and to be confident in that everything will go well uh, by offering services to to help them we in the united states you mentioned florida we have the american disabilities act yeah. and because of that act the united states is, is much more accessible for people with disability because um, you know there's parking spaces that are specifically for them there's ramps all public mm. restrooms have to have accessibility here in europe there is no such thing and it can be more difficult for people to travel to other parts of europe now barcelona thank god uh, we had the 1992 olympics right exactly and uh, we had the the pre-barcelona and then we had the post-barcelona the delineation is in 1992 whenever uh, the olympics were here and the reason why that's important is because you had the, the paralympics that showed up after the Olympics, and that is consistent today. Well, whenever we do have Olympics, it's really had an interesting impact on Barcelona because Barcelona then realized that they have to go in and make ramps for accessibility all over the city. So in some parts of the city that was uh, previous, very difficult to get into is now very easy. So what is your perspective from some of your clients as they travel around Europe and then they get to Barcelona and they realize how much easier it is for them to get around the city. Oh, yeah. Sometimes uh, my heart breaks when they say that in their own city, they can't go to a bar or they live in a, in a village and they've got nowhere to go and socialize with friends, especially if you live in Belgium or Holland. You have to go inside uh, most of the time uh, because the weather just won't allow you to sit on a terrace in your wheelchair. So um, even in their own hometowns, it's not as good as the place that they can travel to maybe once every two, three years. Um, so uh, Belgium has a lot 
to catch up on uh, and other cities as well. But um, for me, Barcelona is really one of the example cities. So it's not so easy, I think, to get politics and uh, laws in that, um, you know, um, consistent approach. But if you get it, you can see what it does with Barcelona. It's just amazing. The bus, um, the buses are all foreseen for ramps. There's no need to doubt it as a traveler. You see a lot of insecurity often, uh, but you can then, yeah, reassure people really with, with a consistent approach. And that's great. So walk me through the process of a person with a disability. Once they arrive to Barcelona, what have you done for them? Um, how do they get out of the airport? How do they get to the hotel? So forth. Okay. Yeah. Actually, getting to the airport is one of the most um, stressful situations for our clients. You often hear that, um, yeah, the partners have a lot of stress of not finding the driver or not having somebody there um, to um, transport them because they know that, yeah, uh, they can't get into a normal taxi. And if somebody's not there, um, then they would be, it would kind of ruin the start of their journey. I often feel that stress. So that's actually very important for us. I work with one partner. His name is Miguel. Um, he is uh, the owner of a um, wheelchair accessible taxi company. And so he works together with his colleagues um, who are all uh, very professional accessible drivers so their vans so they they have they have special vans to pick exactly. up that's that's their job exactly they only do accessible transfers so the the vans are all adapted with ramps uh, and their clients are only people in wheelchairs so they are local clients but also uh, tourists so they are used to airport pickups they've got a special place to park in the airport that's reserved for them uh, with no stress um, up to one hour uh, we wait. Of course, if uh, a client is later than one hour after arrival time, we, we ask them to give us a call, but there's actually no time pressure for these clients. And um, so, yeah, the driver would wait with a name sign. We've all got each other's phone numbers. So if something goes wrong, we can just pick up the phone. I speak the language. The driver um, speaks my language uh, or I speak the driver's language rather. And uh, this way we arrange it. Um, and yeah, to be honest, it's just having good partners and really relying on their professional service, um, on their tranquility and uh, knowing what they're doing to get them to the hotel. So I assume that if you take them on a wine tour, mm. you would also call and use Miguel and exactly. use that same vehicle. To Everything, pick up. yeah. What is important is to reserve things up front because Miguel, for example, he doesn't drive in the streets because he's got his very... Um, specific activity he's always booked in advance for everything so clients cannot call me really the day before to say we're going to go and do a wine tour but we reserve everything from home uh, on a distance let's say uh, as a package with the clients and then Miguel or his colleagues are booked and they are our drivers as well indeed for either city tours or excursions uh, wine tastings Montserrat um, yeah, everything is bookable in advance. I mean, you, you pick them up at the airport and you, yeah. you pretty much organize each day of the tour. That's what I wanted. It, I uh, have to admit it's a little bit more of a luxury uh, business uh, because you have to also want to spend that um, money or be able to spend that money um, of the private services. But that's how I felt that was the only way that I could do uh, this right by offering private services. You know, it's funny, and people don't realize when they come to Barcelona, they're really surprised at the amount of skate people on skateboards here. 
And a funny little fact that if you ever are here and you see all these skateboarders all over the city, that was a reaction to <laughs> creating accessibility ramps all over the city. Uh, even the famous uh, skateboarder uh, Tony Hawk, he even came to Barcelona and sent some of his games. You will see the backdrop of, of the of the MACBA that mm-hmm. they call here, the Museum of Contemporary Art, Barcelona. And he uses that as a, bra- as a backdrop in one of his games. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun, but, but that's what, what happened. So yes, accessibility is now all over the city. So I encourage you to come, but that's why we also have so many skateboarders here in the city, which is <laughs> kind of a fun thing to have. Yeah. By the way, side note, um, I also help you every once in a while. We have some specialty bikes here for when uh, we want to get out and see the city. I think that Estech and I will agree that Barcelona is best seen on a bike. Yeah. And I have helped you with a specialized bike that we can put people, we'll put them on this bike and we'll wheel them around town as far, as much as possible. And uh, so I w- also want to let you know that I love doing that for your company. And I think it's a great service because it enables them to see more. They get to see yeah. uh, the old city in some cases because we get permission to do that. And then we can take them out and see some smaller communities out inside outside Barcelona. So your private tours, tell me a little bit more about private tours, uh, the languages that you speak and the languages that you do tours in. Uh, tell me about your corporate services as well. Um, so for the private tours, we offer them in Dutch, French uh, and English, but our core market really is a Dutch speaking market. So um, people from Holland or from Belgium, um, because that's been around since 2013 and the French market, we've only opened it up uh, one year ago. Um, as well with the English market where there's just a little bit more competition, let's say. Uh, but for the private tours, yeah, we um, try to specialize in family tours and, um, as you said, the corporate tours. So um, we're really good uh, with kids. Um, I think because we have kids ourselves, it's a little bit easier to know um, what the challenges are uh, with different age groups, also to engage with children from um, different yeah characters. Um, and a bike is just great for children already uh, to be not bored, let's say, uh, to change uh, district every every 15 minutes uh, and then we add some materials that make the children um, engaged uh, it makes them yeah really how do you say that interested even uh, in the in the history uh, in a fun way and for me the challenge is there to keep producing more and more quality material towards the children to be a little bit educational i see yeah i see really a mission in there uh, as well because my son grows older and i see yeah what the value is of that Parents what about to- your gastronomy tours? Every, everybody wants to eat gastronomy. We have to get into food. We can't talk about, we can't yeah. have this interview without talking about food. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do have food tours as well. Um, so we've developed um, actually a trend tour. That's a corporate tour for um, gastronomic companies, people dealing uh, with um, food on, on a professional level. It could be a restaurant owner, but it also could be a chain of um, baguettes in, uh, let's say, in Holland uh, that wants to just uh, emerge themselves into the new trends uh, that are around in different cities. And then they have chosen Barcelona. We are the only partner offering this um, for the Dutch market. So that's quite a special one. Um, yeah, it's really great to stay on top of gastronomic trends as well. Personally, I love that. And um, so, yeah, we keep updating that tour year by year uh, by discovering the new trends. And um, yeah, it's really great. 
The other one um, for corporate is actually uh, team building related. So we, um, yeah, we offer uh, all sorts of activities, but then we can also reserve the hotel since we're already uh, a travel agency for disabled. We can also, yeah, use this um, branch of our activity for uh, for corporate. So um, we organize the more uh, transactional part of it as well, since when you're coming with a big group to Barcelona, it's sometimes easier to just outsource the transfers, the um, the hotel bookings, and then uh, the organization of the restaurant uh, bookings as well, the, the original activities. Tell me a little bit about your favorite places. Uh, what is your favorite view of Barcelona? Well, actually, I think um, it's a difficult question because my favorite view does change. Um, but today we went to Parkway and um, because it was such a nice day, uh, you have the Mirador, uh, which is a viewpoint there. And um, I decided that is my current favorite view. <laughs> so you see right? you everything. Know, because it, it's see really everything. interesting because uh, that's one of my favorites as well. But it's at sunset for me. Because oh, when the sun goes down, nice. Um, I, because I've I've been up to Tebedabo, which is not too far from Park Güell, yeah. And uh, from that perspective, which is on the mountainside, so Barcelona is uh, have a seaside and a mountainside, and then you have the north and the south. Uh, Montjuic is to the south. Uh, by the way, if you're ever here and, and you ask a Catalan or a Barcelonan, I should say, uh, the difference between the east and the west. That does not happen here. They do not understand east or west. They say seaside. So you're either going to go down, which means you're going to go to the east, mm -hmm. or you say up or to the mountainside. So you're going off to the west. So the sun the sun sets in the, the into the mountains on the west side of the city. But if you get a chance, from your perspective as yeah. well, from Park Güell, uh, if you get a chance to go up to Tebedabo or get up onto the mountain and watch the sun set on the city, it wow. is an amazing that experience. That sounds amazing. To see. Actually, I must admit, I've only done it during the daytime. But yeah, then you say, you mentioned Tibidabu, and yeah, it's also such a beautiful view. And then another, <laughs> another beautiful um, viewpoint are the rooftops. So it's like, yeah, mm, really hard to choose for me because now. The season starts for uh, opening back uh, these rooftop bars and you can have such amazing city views over the Gothic, um, for example. That's also, together with a glass of wine, it can also be really, really enjoyable. <laughs> a glass of wine goes well with anything. Yes. <laughs> okay, so your favorite view. Now, what do you find about, what do you find most interesting in Barcelona? That's a difficult question because there's so much to offer. Exactly. You have the art. You have the music, you have the culture, uh, you have the food, you have festivals galore. I think uh, more and more I go back to the basics as a tour guide. And what I find most interesting is just Anthony Gaudi. It sounds maybe a little bit cliche, but just if you really study his personality, his work and the prettiness of everything and the symbolic, the symbolic part, it's just you can't... And there's nothing that compares to him. No, there isn't. That modernism is amazing. And yeah. as many times as I've been to Gaudi's homes or churches or church, no, he has actually a couple of churches here. Mm. Uh, it, it, your mind is blown. You just can't yeah. get over that. And no. uh, you're right. It does sound cliche because we are in Barcelona and we, there, there is a Sagrada Familia. But no, it is that impactful. It is. It yeah. does move you each time you go. So I, I, I can agree with that. That although I would probably pick another part, favorite 
part of the city. It's, <laughs> I still think that Gaudí is very important. Okay, yeah. so when people come to Barcelona, take a moment to answer this because it's kind of a difficult, difficult question. But what would you recommend people not do here in Barcelona? Well, for sure, I would recommend to not go to Las Ramblas to have paella and sangria <laughs> because that's just not the place to have it. <laughs> um, so I actually always say this at the very start of the tour because I want to get, I want to just want to make sure that people understand me and that I care for them to have a good experience. And it's coming from not from snobbism, but just for. You're only here a couple of days. Please don't, yeah, just ruin. No, it's, it, I think that it, the Ramblas is a very, um, it's an amazing place. Um, I think historically what it is mm -hmm. as far as dividing the old city of Barcelona. Yeah. In order to get to the Bocaria, uh, you have to go down the Rambla, at least touch one side of it. Uh, so it has its value. And I think that it's an important, it plays an important part in Barcelona's history. But 100%, uh, I agree with you. That yeah. is not a place where I would tell people to hang out, see it, use it as a, as a connection yeah, going up walk, one street or another, it. but walk it. Yeah. If, if, if there is one place that everyone has a tourist trap, that is Barcelona's, uh, the Ramblas. Yeah. So agree. Yeah. But other than that, I think also, uh, holidays are there, you know, just to enjoy, um, we give our recommendations, our tips, our favorite places, but then people are free if, if yeah, you just want to do the highlights and you, you don't feel like going into the, the more local areas, which we love because we live here for so long. That's totally fine as well, because in the end, it's your holiday. Your bike tours, a very important part of your business. Uh, I've been on your bike tour. How do you work that out with clients? Do you have them? Uh, do, can they show up with their own bikes? What do you do? Okay, we work together with Ramiro Sobral, uh, an amazing personality in Barcelona. Um, he owns bike shop El Ciclo, uh, also our partner since 2013. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just a great collaboration because Ramiro has this tiny shop full with bike art. Um, you hear Argentinian music because he's from there. And he's got this chill vibe that often customers from Belgium and Holland are really looking for when they come to places like Barcelona. And so it really connects well. Uh, the clients love it. We love Ramiro's soft approach. Um, his wife takes care of the uh, communications and the organization, let's say. So that goes smooth as well. So we start always from there. That's the Gothic part uh, for the bike tours. And then uh, we take it from a conversation with our clients or up front. We discuss with the clients if they have specific uh, input. Um, but most of the time we just talk up front uh, before we start the tour what do you want to do what have you seen already have you been here and where can we take you because we are private guides we have studied quite a bit of different districts and we can be really flexible okay Esther, i really i really uh, want to thank you for spending some time with us um i i think your perspective on tours uh, is very important and i'm really happy that you have picked up the torch of being able to realize that people with disability they want to see the world as well. And I'm so happy that there's companies like yours that provide the service and they can come to Barcelona and have a great time as well. So kudos to you. I wish you continued success with, with Mucho Gusto accessibility tours. Um, otherwise, you still can get in touch Thank with her much. on several different ways. Uh, you're very welcome on her website, which is muchogustotours.com. That's spelled M-U-C-H-O, Gusto, G-U-S-T-O. 
and then tours, T-O-U-R-S dot com. Her handles on the major social media platforms is at Mucho Gusto Tours. That is with an S. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Estelle. Thank you for hosting this podcast. We're a really big fan. <laughs> thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You will find the show notes on our website at tourguidetalks, that's with an S, dot com. We will leave a link in the show description. We would love to hear your feedback. You can get in touch with us via our website or on all major social media platforms with the handle at tourguidetalks. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any secrets or new information on your favorite travel locations. If you have a show idea or know a guide that should be on this show, please be in touch. Thanks again, and please pass the show on to another travel enthusiast. Ciao.